Welcome to it. It's episode six of season three of Rapid Reactions here on Husker Sports Weekly. Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you as always. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. And at Hanson, not Hanson, you can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. To find our show, we have a full breakdown of Nebraska and Illinois this past Saturday. Nebraska loses at Memorial Stadium 26-9 against the 17th-ranked Illini, who are now 7-1 on the year. Nebraska falls to 3-5 and 2-3 and and in the Big Ten Conference. Now, there's a couple of different things that you could take away from this game. Obviously, Illinois is a, a very solid football team defensively and offensively. They stick to what they know. Brett Bielema, you know, he has a simple game plan. He, he knows what their bread and butter is, and, and he continues to go to it. And that's what worked yesterday for Illinois. They, they did a nice job on the run game. I think you have to give Nebraska's defense a little bit of credit there because it's not like Chase Brown went for over 200, which is, I know, still 150 <laughs> is, still, is still a lot. But, hey, they, they contained him a little bit. Um, but obviously the biggest storyline, at least for Nebraska, is Casey Thompson being hurt, his throwing arm, his elbow, as he threw a pick. He hit his arm on somebody's helmet, I believe, as he was facing pressure in the pocket, and he did not play for the rest of the game. We saw one drive of Logan Smothers, and then we saw Chubba Purdy the rest of the way, and we did not see very much offense the rest of the way from Nebraska, and they fall 26 to nine at home. Grant, your initial reactions to this game, what did you like, what did you not like, and what do you make of the Casey Thompson injury? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating uh, because we all knew this was going to happen. Like, I think, I think collectively, you know, as a group of people who watch this, this team and this program regularly, you know, you were just sitting in there and thinking every time he got hit, all right, is this the one? <laughs> and... And you knew it was a matter of just kind of a matter of time, right? It kind of goes back to what I was talking about in our in our last full episode where I was like, you can't fix stupid, right? And, you know, it's not necessarily um, that I literally think the linemen are stupid. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, like, you can't fix this. Like, you cannot fix this offensive line because it is so bad. And, you know, there may be a few things you can do to mitigate it, but... Look, Casey Thompson really hasn't been healthy since game one. And now, now you're losing, you know, a really important piece of your offense for an unknown amount of time. Maybe he's back this week, you know, but still he's not going to be 100%, you know, for the rest of the year. He said he could feel his fingers afterwards. And sometimes it's something that will go away, but, you know, it's very possible that it doesn't. So, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. And, like, even I mean, even back to before the season, you know, like, when Nebraska was scoring all these transfer hits in January, February, like, what was, like, the first thing I said? Like, all these skill position players are nice, but if they don't have a line to protect, then it doesn't matter. And now you're really going to see what that looks like because, again, if Thompson misses the next game, if, I mean, if Thompson misses the Minnesota game, you know, Nebraska's hopes of a bowl, as slim as they are right now, are gone. Like, 100% gone. Uh, and so, you know, if they aren't already. Um, 
and you could just see you could see how terrible this offense was when Thompson wasn't at the helm. Yeah, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. I'm glad you brought that up. We were talking about it after the game yesterday on Real Red Reaction, and I brought up the point to everybody on the show. I was like, well, hey, we kind of knew in the back of our heads that this may happen, so why isn't the game plan a little bit better for one of those backups? Now, obviously, I know it's tough to formulate a game plan around a totally new player, but how are you not, I guess, more prepared for that situation? Again, I'm not a football coach for a reason, but you knew that this may happen. It was a lingering thought. I mean, you've already had a couple hold your uh, hold your breath moments, as you mentioned, Grant, in in the couple of games this this year. I mean, you even go back to the Purdue game, and he took a couple of shots where he was down for an extended period of time. You mentioned he couldn't feel his fingers yesterday. How long is that timetable going to be? Who knows? We'll find out this week if he's out against Minnesota. I agree. I think the bull chance is, is out the window if it hasn't left for you already. Um, so that's a concern for me. Obviously, the offense was just pitiful without Casey Thompson out there. And one of my questions, too, was why wasn't Logan more a part of this? Because in my personal opinion, I I think Logan should be the first guy off the bench in that, in that position. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Grant, but... Logan Smothers is my guy after Casey Thompson. Yeah, I, look, I mean, that's not necessarily I, – I think that's a pretty common thought, I think, statewide on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, look, it, it's really interesting. I think, you know, you one of the discussion points on <clears throat> Husker Online's reaction show after the game was how many reps are these guys getting in practice? Like, if you think about like very many. yeah, now if you think back a little bit earlier this week, right? Barrett Rude was on the coach's show for Nebraska this week on on uh, the Huskers Radio Network, and what did he say? Well, the way they run these practices, it's very much a pro style practice. Well, you know, in those environments, the ones get about ninety percent of the reps. So it looked like that, I, I think. You know, I, I think in a lot of ways it looked like, yeah, okay, these guys might not have got a lot of reps here recently. Uh, then, you know, the question becomes, okay, okay, you say you need you need better, you need to be able to throw the football, so that's why you have Purdy in there. Well, that, I mean, that didn't look great. And, look, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I very much agree with the whole, okay, Purdy obviously wasn't working. Let's try to make a play to win this game. Even if we can't throw the football, even if we have to run the football to get back in it. Because because like it was I mean it was even a two-score game, right? For the majority of the fourth quarter. So I mean, it wasn't like you couldn't try to run the football in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, I just I, I agree. That's one of the more confusing decisions that were made. But you also have to understand too that like you know, we're not in practice no matter how many reps these guys are getting if it looks horrible Logan Smothers throwing the football which again even if you go back to some of our discussions in what 2021 2021 the scrimmage that we went and watched and Mm. Smothers was terrible (laughs) Smothers was so bad so if he hasn't improved very much in that you know in that time 
then like you know I, I think that's feasible I think that's something that you know could have been weighing on the staff that like okay he literally cannot throw the football at all and his running ability isn't that much better you know I, I think that could have been a factor as well yeah a couple of things too like the deep shot with Purdy I was a little concerned about just considering now that wasn't like the first play that they ran with him that was I believe in the second or third drive that he was out there and they're taking a shot with Purdy after what they've seen and the interception after getting the gift of a fumble from Illinois that was a huge turning point too because in listening to Dave Pash on the ESPN broadcast too at that point he was like, you had three points, so why why try and, and make the play? Now, obviously, lack of experience comes into play there, but it just it was things like that, and it really felt to me, because I watched the second half on, on TV because I was going back to the station, but it really just felt to me like, okay, Illinois' offense is on the field. It's only a matter of time before our defense gets about a three- or four-play rest before they're going to have to come back out there because that's a little faith I had of the offense after Thompson went down, and I think that was a fair train of thoughts because, again, the lack of experience with Chubba Purdy, and it's nothing on him. It's just he hasn't been able to play, and Casey Thompson's a better quarterback. So uh, we'll see how the rep situation changes in practice. Grant, you said it's a, a pro-style approach to practice, so about 90% of the snaps presumably are getting uh, have are, are getting run by the ones. So it, I believe that based on what I saw yesterday. Um, so we'll have to see how that changes up um, going forward. But give credit to Illinois. I think they stuck to what they're good at. Um, obviously, they, they also mentioned this on the broadcast a couple of times that Bielema is not an analytics guy. He doesn't really pay attention to that stuff. That kind of played in some of the decisions where, you know, they kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and short or punting instead of going for it on fourth and short near midfield, where they would probably get it. I don't know. But uh, you have to give credit to Illinois. They're a good football team. And honestly, looking at the rest of their schedule, they could very well win 10 games this year. And we could see them in Indy, which I know shocks both of us and a lot of people around the college football world. Yeah, and as we talked, I think, before this week, Right, like Illinois is what Nebraska wants to be, and it's what Nebraska wants to be after this next coaching change. And if anything, you know, if this if this game told you anything, it's that a rebound, a re a rebuild, does not take that long now. Like it really does not take that long at all anymore. And you have to you have to, I, I think like this idea that, you know, and it and it could happen. It very well could happen because. You know, Nebraska fans, I think, have a a tendency to want to be patient at times. Honestly, there's a there's a there's two factions of the fan base, right? There's we saw it play out all the time under Frost, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. you got one side that wants winning immediately, um, and then you got another side that maybe they like the coach a little bit more, and you know th- their their mo is well, let's get his guys in there, let's give him some time. It took T.O. a long time to figure things out, although people tend to conveniently forget that T.O. won nine games consistently during that period while he was figuring things out. It does not take four years. It does not take that long, a full a full recycle in the, on the recruiting front. It doesn't take that long to be competitive now. 
And I think people have to be very cognizant and aware of that for this next coach. There needs to be high standards, especially as you look at that 2023 schedule and mm-hmm. what, what you're looking at in the West next year, where Illinois is legitimately the only team that should be, be challenging uh, for the West. And so, like, you need to have the standards that look like maybe they don't need to compete immediately next year, but by year two, if they're going four and eight, five and seven, that's a big issue, right? And Illinois is all you need to prove that, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And there's definitely the resources here at Nebraska and just the resources in the portal, as we've seen, to to be able to do that. I mean, Bielema did a great job with the portal, and he got his guys in there, and he got his guys to buy in as well. And something I thought was pretty interesting, too, was the late hit by Reimer. And, you know, he goes all the way to the end of the – or to, to the to the depths of the bench, for lack of a better term. And he's surrounded by Illinois guys. There could have easily been a scrum that broke out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they were very, you know, kept to the – like, not kept to themselves, but calm. And they were standing up for their guy, but they did it in an appropriate gamemanship way. Um, so I think that just kind of mirrors what Bielema is all about at Illinois. But I agree. If you're in year two of a rebuild and you're four and eight, five and seven, that's a red flag, a major red flag. And the, the opportunity to do a rebuild quickly in college football is kind of the norm right now, too. So there's no reason why Nebraska cannot do it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. You mentioned next year's schedule. You open up two games on the road, not to mention Minnesota's on a Thursday night to open up the year, and then you go to Boulder. So we'll see how that plays out. One question I have for you, Grant, after this game, what is your feeling of Mickey Joseph's chances of becoming the head coach after this year? Zero uh, <clears> percent. <throat> and this isn't like a reactionary thing for me or a swing, like – I didn't think he should have been the guy to begin with. <clears throat> and, you know, it's nothing against him personally because there's a lot to like with him. He does a lot of things the right way. But I kind of hold to this idea that, you know, the best guy for the job is very, very rarely within your own building. And it's a little bit different, I think, than like an NFL situation where you promote from within and the guy's been there for five years because Mickey's only been here for one. But, I think right. yesterday's showing and some of the decisions that were made, I think probably take him off the table for the job because let's be honest, there were plenty of things that you look at it and you say, yep, like that's kind of a, I don't want to say necessarily a rookie mistake from a head coach, but something like that, right? That, like, there, there, There's an area where, oh, you're showing a little bit of lack of experience and that will continue. And so, look, I think he's a fantastic asset for Nebraska. He's incredibly impactful for Nebraska. He is busting his butt in recruiting, and that is incredibly, incredibly valuable and something that he deserves respect for. But there are better candidates out there for Nebraska to pick up to lead this program as the head coach. It's not to say that Mickey can't do it here or, or somewhere else later on down the line, but right now, this is too too critical a moment for Nebraska to kind of go with the fan mob rule decision because that's what you did last time. And, yeah. and there wasn't really anything wrong with that last time, 
you know, everybody, everybody in the world thought Scott Frost was the best candidate in that cycle. But you don't want to make that mistake twice. And so, to me, this loss and the way the team just generally performed, even though, look, holding Casey Thompson's injury against against Mickey Joseph, I think, is unfair. But, look, like, it further cemented the idea, yeah, yeah like, there are better options out there. And, you know, I think, like, even, even think about Indiana and Rutgers. Like, the two wins. They did not play well against Rutgers. They found a way to win, but they did not play well at all. And Indiana, mm-hmm. they really didn't play well apart from the fourth quarter. So... Like to me, like I think I, I think you gotta you gotta move on. Like you gotta you gotta say, yep, that's enough for you to decide that that he's not the guy. Yeah, I think when you go back to looking at Indiana and Rutgers, too, the most attractive part, if you will, of those wins was the fact that they did find a way to win because it was something that obviously, you know, over and over again in the Frost era, Nebraska could not find a way to win. Right, so they could they would find a way to lose the ball game. I agree with you. I think that they should commit probably to looking outside I think they should absolutely keep Mickey in the program if they can in some way shape or form which obviously we've heard is probably the plan when it comes to the end of the year but it was interesting too because we were having this discussion on Hale Varsity on Friday and it was kind of what is the standard obviously for Mickey is a bowl game right now but what is what are you holding external candidates to a standard to is that nine wins are you looking for Dave Aranda to get nine wins at Baylor are you looking for Lane Kiffin to run the table in the SEC are you looking at Mark Stoops to see what he can do at Kentucky like it's just what is what is the different standard there between Mickey and a bowl game and then an external guy and in, in what he's doing so that that was just kind of an interesting conversation as well but I would I would like to see them go outside. I think it would be a little you know refreshing because obviously you have Frost, former Husker, Mickey Joseph, former Husker, and I I think that you could land a big name. And again, this is something that Pash and and all of them on the ESPN broadcast talked about yesterday. Is this is a place that could land a big notable name and that can use the resources here? They mentioned the new facility. Obviously, we've known about that for a long time. But this is a place that you could really, really make a splash higher. And I know we thought that in Scott Frost, but now you get another chance at it. So let's see what they do going forward. So I thought that was kind of an interesting bit. I like that that you gave a, a pretty straight-up answer there, Grant, for, for what you think. Um, I don't know how many people are on the 0% train just yet, but I think people are getting close. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that ages in the next couple of weeks before we get into the rest of the, the week in college football, any, any other thoughts on this game? Uh, well, yeah, one, one other thought here is Nebraska scored its first points in this, uh, Colorado exhibition with 1455 to play. Uh, Joan, yeah, Joan Gary went one for three from the free throw line. And it's 10 to one. <laughs> Great start from Hoiberg and the boys out in Boulder. They're running a two-three, which is really interesting, and Colorado's having really? some issues with that. Uh, I didn't know we hired Jim Beheim. Yeah, kind of a different defensive look, but a lot of issues offensively. Very disjointed. But uh, Oleg, Oleg is in the game, and Oleg has received significant playing time. So, really, yeah, and maybe that's the size of Colorado that's kind of drawing that decision. But yeah. 
Oh, Kase just hit a okay. deep three. All right, Kase Tomonaga, he's back. All right, uh, but yeah, it's just like I I was on the zero percent train to begin with, so I don't know um, how valuable my opinion is on this front. Um, but look, I I think it's just it wasn't acceptable. I think you know, and the fact that. Clearly, seemingly, the people, there's a significant drop-off to the twos. That's, yeah, that's a, kind of a dangerous thing. Especially when you know that your offensive line struggles like it does. So, disappointing. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, what'd you expect? I mean, I didn't think they were going to cover. So, <laughs> so, there you go. I wanted to be optimistic, alright? <laughs> I changed my answer to later in the week. <laughs> but... I can't go back and change the recording, so that's gonna go as a as an L on my record for this week or for this year. Did you go two and one? Um, I'm trying to remember the third game I picked. Tennessee made me look good. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where else I went. Oh, I went Oklahoma State. That's where I got screwed up. No, 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 so no, no. I, no, no. I picked that one. That oh, was you me. did? Okay. Yeah. I normally write yours down. Oh, Casey just hit another one. Jeez. Okay. I usually I'll I'll figure it out by the time we record on Thursday. But God, I hope so. That's a good that's a good segue into this week of college. Well, we both were on the same page that o- Okie State being a, a point and a half dog was ridiculous, right? Well, apparently we're wrong. Because yeah, they lost forty eight to nothing. And so is Adrian the backup? Good job, there? Kansas State. Like, is Adrian the backup there now? I mean, Who he knows? might be after this week. It's a good problem to have if you're K-State. They take care of business 48-zip over the Cowboys. I said it on the episode. They usually have a loss somewhere at this point of the season where just everything kind of gets derailed, but I didn't think they got there yet, but I was proven wrong, obviously. Uh, Georgia and Florida in the world's largest cocktail party, which is one of my favorite names for a game. Georgia wins 42-20. to Florida started to put together a bit of a push there in that third quarter. They put up 17 in that third quarter to make it a little bit of a ball game, but Georgia was able to put them away. Ohio State-Penn State ended up being a pretty solid game. Ohio State beat Penn State 44-31, to but Penn State was leading there for a pretty good amount of time, but then C.J. Stroud and company put up 28 in the fourth quarter. Tennessee, hot take. Well, actually, I don't know how how hot of a take this is after this week, but I think Tennessee, honestly, may be the best team in the country. They won 44-6 over Kentucky at home this week. Michigan beats Michigan State 29-7. TCU remains undefeated with a 41-31 win over West Virginia. Oregon improves to 7-1 with a 42-24 win over Cal. Wake Forest got destroyed by Louisville 48-21. I had no idea that Wake Forest was actually 10 in the polls, but they got destroyed USC beats Arizona just barely, 45-37 in a high-scoring affair. UCLA takes care of business against Stanford, 38-13. Ole Miss just squeaks by Texas A&M, 31-28. Notre Dame beats Syracuse, 41-24. And South Carolina lost, 23-10 to Mizzou. Yeah, that was Mizzou's an interesting one. has been really pesky. And you picked, uh, you picked a garbage game. I can't remember if it was Iowa and Northwestern or... I can't remember what the two games were. I picked a garbage. I think I was going to, and then I decided not to. Again, I'll figure it out hmm. at some point. Yeah, and, and I was is... I was set to go two and one until that garbage time Penn State touchdown. So <laughs> annoying. That's what we get for betting the uh, the spread. 
but it, it hurts it hurts my heart seeing one and seven next to Northwestern's name. It really does. I didn't think they were gonna win. I thought Iowa might be their best chance to get a win um, at some point this year, but clearly that did not happen. Um, but overall, I mean, a pretty good week in college football. Obviously, the big noon game was good. There was a fight in the hallway between Michigan and Michigan State, yeah. so that was interesting. Um, at least Michigan State looked good while doing it, but that's not a good look for the team in general. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, you mentioned it, Grant. Is Adrian the backup now? Who, who knows? I know. <laughs> After that it's 48 crazy. to nothing win. I can't. I, I cannot believe that that was just an absolute slaughter of of the Cowboys of Okie State. Miami and Virginia decided not to score a touchdown. They went all field goals in a 14 to 12 win for the Canes. So there's your exciting ACC content for this week. Minnesota, Nebraska's next opponent won 31 zip over Rutgers at home. So here comes here comes Tanner Morgan and the boys. Um, but overall, a pretty good week of college football. Um, and, yeah, I'm really sold on Tennessee. Yeah, they're pretty good. Not going to lie. It does help when you cover their best receiver, though. That is that is always important. They are, they are damn good. And they look good, too, while doing it as well. Mm. Yeah, those are great All uniforms. Blacks. Really good uniforms. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Some good stuff in the NFL today as well. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of that Falcons. Oh, I watched it. Yeah, I watched all Panthers. of Panthers. Oh man, that was. Something I didn't else. watch. It. I just caught. I just caught the ending of it, and I saw the pass, and then DJ Moore took his helmet off, and former Chicago Bear Eddie Pinheiro decided to miss the forty-eight yard extra point. I know he <laughs> because was of bad. that penalty. He was bad. Oh man, that's a terrible. And they ended up losing it overtime. For those of you who didn't see it, the Bears almost got fifty burgered today, so that wasn't great. But <laughs> Justin Fields looked good. So there's my silver lining. What are the uh, what are the Giants up to right now? I know they're playing right now. Uh, ten to ten, I think. Oh my, things are turning really bad right now in Boulder. It is ten to ten. Uh, oh, the, in Boulder. In Boulder, uh, twenty-one to nine right now, Colorado. Ah, make it twenty-four Basketball to nine. Basketball is a it's, game of runs. It is bad. It is very bad. Basketball is a game over. Speaking of basketball, we'll we'll preview the basketball team next week because their season will get started. On November seventh, and my goodness, we're already in November on on Tuesday, which is a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, but other scores from around the NFL today. Um, let me get to the finals. The Broncos won, despite Russell Wilson doing four hours of high knees, so they took care <laughs> of business. Um, the Falcons, as we mentioned before, somehow in first place in their division. Uh, the Lions lost again. Hard knocks, not doing them any favors. The Raiders. Kind of pissed me off because Devontae Adams literally finished with negative .1 fantasy this week, <laughs> so that doesn't help me. Uh, thank you, Derek Carr. I love you a lot. That's awesome. The Patriots bounced back and beat the Jets 22-17, to and the Eagles remain perfect 35-13 over the Steelers. But uh, the fact that the Giants have a chance to be 7-1 and after today still kind of bugs me. I don't well, know. maybe you should have uh, hired a better coach. No? Maybe that. Well, maybe our defense could have shown up in, in Dallas. Yeah, I know. Today you hired a defensive nice. coach. <laughs> I know, and clearly that didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, the Bears the Bears' offense, I have very little to no complaints. There were a couple of play calls in there where I was like, okay, why? 
But Fields, 17 of 23 through the air, 151 yards and, a, and two touchdowns. He had a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Khalil Herbert had a nice day. He had 99 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Darnell Moody had five catches for 70 yards. So, I mean, the offense, the offense scored 29 points. They scored 33 and 29 in the past two weeks. So it seems like something is working there, and they finally figured out that Fields can actually run the ball. But I, I like that. I just don't like the 49 on the other side of the scoreboard. That's the issue here. It's All just right. bad. Therapy session. It's just therapy bad. session is over. I guess we've we've ended the both therapy of, session. Both of my both of my football teams are three and five, and I'm not <laughs> happy about it. But uh, anyway, before we wrap this thing up, any any final thoughts, Grant? Yeah, I guess uh, we got a long November ahead of us. Uh, the October went by fast, and they were there were some sure did. important games in October, and turns out Nebraska went two and two. And so now we're on to a November in which I think a lot of folks, despite the October distractions, will simply just be looking forward to figuring out who the next head coach is in the next three to four weeks. I think that is a very true point, and it will be a long, dark, and cold November because we all know that Nebraska ball is coming as well as you're alluding to. It's not a good start in Boulder. <laughs> but we'll, we'll preview that this week. Uh, we'll preview Nebraska-Minnesota at 11 a.m. on Saturday in Memorial Stadium. That's when you see your Huskers on the football field next. But once again, they lose to Illinois 26-9 to and fall to 3-5. and two and three in the Big Ten Conference. So that'll do it for us on episode number six of season three of Rapid Reactions. Grant and Connor here with you as always. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday to preview Nebraska hoops and Nebraska-Minnesota, and we'll continue our volleyball coverage as well on Thursday. So thanks so much for tuning in. Leave your thoughts on the game, whether that's on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you find us, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. But until then, go Big Red.